Don't touch that! Get away! Get back! What are you afraid of? Turn it on! Impossible! Once the reaction starts, it'll spread to all the Trevinium in the planet. Mars will go into global meltdown. That's why the aliens never turned it on. And you expect me to believe you? Who gives a shit what you believe? In 30 seconds, you'll be dead. Then I'll blow this place up and be home in time for cornflakes. I didn't want it to end this way. I wanted Hauser back, but no. You had to be Quaid. I am Quaid. You're nothing. You're nobody. You're a stupid dream. Well, all dreams come to an end. Episode F111 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to like us on Facebook, the Cult of Matt and Mark, or check out our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com, or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. Show news? Got any show news this week? Oh, man. Next Tuesday. Oh, I'm going to be a mess. Uh, Dark Souls 2 comes out. I got it pre-ordered. I got to go down to GameStop and pick it up. Dark Souls. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to sink like 100 hours in that motherfucker over the next three months. It's going to kill my free time. What, uh, pray tell, I have no clue what Dark Souls 2 or Dark Souls 1 is, so I haven't a clue. I'm not a video game guy anymore. Oh, yeah, it's a a video game, sort of a dark fantasy world, first person sort of, uh, I don't know, sort of a methodical hack and slash. Okay. Sort of slow pace. It reminds me of those early Castlevania games. Uh, like yeah. if you ever played those, but in three dimensions, it's very pattern and very, okay. uh, sort of a methodical, you can just zone out, just really get into it. It's got a great feel to it. Did you ever play uh Skyrim? I've heard great things about Skyrim, but never played uh, it. You know, I haven't played Skyrim. I, I enjoy the, the Bethesda, the Bethesda, um, fallout, you know, which some of the early, yeah. I mean, if you haven't played one or two, three is a fun game. I guess it doesn't have as much of the color as one and two. And uh, I played New Vegas, too. I tried to play Oblivion, but I just couldn't get into it. It's just something about, um, I don't like their art style. And it seems to fit Fair in. It's, for some reason, their art style works better with this sort of post-apocalyptic setting. But I always felt it just looked sort of silly in sort of so, a fantasy realm. Skyrim is made by Bethesda as well. Yeah, it uses the same, basically okay. it uses the same uh, engine. Basically, uh, Bethesda had the... Uh, Elder Scrolls, Scrolls series, and they oh, basically used okay. their engine that they used in Oblivion to make Fallout 3. So basically it was Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Fallout. I mean, you'd if you played the Elder Scrolls games, you'd see how much their the interface is almost identical. It's basically, oh. the in a fan, it's in, basically they take the same gameplay but add guns to it. Yeah, no, well, I played Fallout. I, did, I played it pretty extensively. I played the mods. I don't three? think you played much of the mods. Yeah, Fallout 3. You had so it on, played, oh, you played it on your PC. I played it on the yeah. PS3. No, I played it on the Xbox. Oh, they had, so, they had mods available, huh? I don't, maybe the yeah, I played the too. Pit. I played the Pit, and that was one of the mods. Oh, no, they Pittsburgh. weren't mods. Those were the add-ons. Those were the oh, DLC. Oh, add-ons. Yeah, and then I think I, I, I played another add-on. Oh, it was some some deal where you go to some beach town, 
in Maryland or something. I don't remember much about it, but hmm. uh, it's it a good game. Just the the, the combat was tedious. I thought you played Operation Operation Anchorage as well. I did, and I, that's where I quit. Oh I, yeah, I quit on Operation Anchorage. So no, the, the amount of time sink. We're talking like sixty hours sort of time sink yeah, for the full a game. Of, a lot of time. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of time sink, let's get into the movie this week. Uh, our movie this week is the classic. 1990 total recall by Paul Verhoeven, not to be confused with whatever shit pile came out in 2012 uh, remake of it, which I think I watched about a half hour of and then gave up on, uh, even though I paid for it on demand. It's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, uh, plot rundown real quick. In Paul Verhoeven's, I had a hard time finding a good plot rundown, so... uh, you know, whole, whole, whole. Oh, don't worry. Me. I got some snarky comments all all lined up already. Okay. And Paul Verhoeven's wild sci-fi action movie Total Recall, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a 21st century construction worker who discovers that his entire memory of his of the past derives from a memory chip implanted in his brain. That's not exactly true, but whatever. Uh, Schwarzenegger <laughs> learns that he's actually a secret agent who had become a threat to the government, Mars government. So those power planted the. Those in power planted the chip and invented a domestic lifestyle form. See, this is just that, such that is a the best. That's the best one there was out there. I, if serious, they're all well, horrible. They were, I'm so, I, I don't write, and I feel like I need to go write a synopsis to this oh, film because that one yeah, stinks I, so bad. I should have written my own because I got to the wire here, and I'm like, oh, they're all fucking miserable. Like I you read can, twelve. You prioritize your life, man. I know. I need to say, all right, uh, I'm just gonna have to let the baby cry for a couple more hours and get this synopsis out. I'm afraid. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, bearing with continuing on. Uh, once he realizes his true identity, he travels to Mars to piece together the rest of his identity. See, identity used twice in the same sentence oh. is fucking terrible. I know oh it's excruciating. God. I apologize to the Keep listeners. Keep going. Let's get through it. Let's throw the... As well as to find the man responsible for his implanted memory. I think memory was it used twice. Oh, this is fucking terrible. Verhoeven has created a fast, furious action film with Total Recall filled with impressive stunts and literally eye-popping visuals. Oh, get that one. That's a good joke. Eye-popping visuals. No, that's funny. I guess it is kind of funny. All right. Though the film bears only a passing resemblance to the Philip K. Dick short story it was based on, we can remember it for you wholesale. The movie is an entertaining, if very violent, ride. So that's tragically the plot synopsis for this week. Okay, well, let's get right down to it um, with the final point of the synopsis. Have you read the short story by Dick? I did. And, and does this movie bear a little resemblance to it? Now, I got a caveat for you. I haven't read it. And I thought the feel of this movie, with the idea about everybody questioning their reality, including the viewer or reader, um, to be right up Dick's alley. Wow, that's a that's a that's an entendre of uh, a double or triple variety there. Right up Dick's alley. Right up uh, Phil's phallus. I mean Dick's alley. Yeah. Sorry, folks. That was kind of a bad joke. Uh, it is. I did read the short story. He never makes it to Mars in the short story. The short story is very short. Mm. Uh, so short, in fact, that uh, the movie is an extrapolation upon the idea. Uh, there's something, and it's been a long time since I read it, but he's in, I think, I don't know if it's called Recall in the short story, but they discover 
that he wants to become a secret agent and they discover that he already is a secret agent or something like that. And then that's kind of when they shuffle him out the back. And I think that's pretty much it. I don't think there's any more to the short story than that. Well, they they seem to expand on it in exactly the tone that I would expect Dick to have. Well, see, the great thing about Total Recall is watching it, and I'm of the opinion that it's all part of his memory implant. Uh, When he enters Recall... When he gets implanted with the memories, that's when reality stops. And what happens after that is, and this it could go either way, right? I think that's the way the movie was. Well, you're getting, you're getting, you're getting in the deep mud. You're getting in the deep water already. Plowing. I'm going. Yep. Oh, I'm go going for right, it. Yeah. Going. Got my mudders on. Going well, right in. that's basically why I picked that intro out of several in the film. I think that one gets down to the real heart of it. That he's a dream. Right. And dreams. And, Come to an end. The great thing is, is when they're about ready to implant the memories in his head, he's more or less, you're more or less told the entire plot. There, there, there's well, the, the movie, the movie does a, a beautiful thing. And I don't know which, which writer I should give credit to. I'll just give it all to uh, <clears throat> Dan O'Bannon since we're in the midst penultimate of the Dan, Dan O'Bannon a thon. I'll give the credit. Right. One of the writers of the adapted and the screenplay was uh, Dan O'Bannon. And I'll just. Say, I mean, it's just is a beautiful little movie where the second time you watch it, you see it's one of those little tricks where, um, and you see it every once in a while in films, where they'll just tell you the whole plot before the plot happens, and you don't care. It's weird. Like, I mean, here, here, let me. I mean, like the first discussion with Doctor Edgemar, and let me just play a little bit of that. Where, uh, right. I mean, not not Doctor Edgemar, but uh, where McLean's giving uh, 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 <clears throat> Quaid the hard sell. So here's just a little bit from that. You are a top operative, back under deep cover on your most important mission. People are trying to kill you left and right. You meet this beautiful, exotic woman. Come on. I don't want to spoil it for you, Doug, but you rest assured by the time the trip is over, you get the girl, kill the bad guys, and save the entire planet. That's just, yeah. That is so, That's it. That That's is so great. <laughs> well, and the great thing is, is when the tech, Ignition there is loading up the mods or whatever to the memory mm-hmm. implant. He's like, oh, we're doing alien artifacts now. And there's some mention of blue skies on Mars, which is all there. You and know, they have, there's the a movie. picture of the uh, alien apparatus. Yeah, you get a picture of the kind of those, those look, they look sort of like uh, nuclear rods or mm-hmm. fissioning rods that go into the, the, the core of Mars there and uh, release the uh, water. But it's all there. I mean, you could just like that's the movie. It's spoiled, literally, when Quaid sits in the memory chair, which is the beautiful thing about this movie because you don't care. It, you, you, there's some of the minutia about you know Quaid being uh, a double agent. Well, no, no. I mean, really. look, they even go later in the film. They even go into that. Here's Doctor Edgemore speaking about that. The walls of reality will come crashing down. One minute you'll be the savior of the rebel cause, and the next thing you know, you'll be Cohagen's bosom buddy. You'll even have fantasies about alien civilizations, as you requested. But in the end, back on Earth, you'll be lobotomized. Yeah, there it is. He could be lobotomized for all we know, right? I mean, generally, I think I really enjoyed this particular viewing, just really thinking about the what is reality. And I think looks like reality is he's sitting back having a... What do they call it? A uh, paranoid, like schizophrenic, schizoid embolism. Schizoid. That's, that's a, a that's a that's nice a little word. bit of uh, medical mumbling. I know because uh, 
when I was learning to dive, it was uh, uh, I forget what they called it. Uh, I think it was an it was a embolism, but yeah, it was ar- arterial uh, embolism. Yeah, but it was more or less air exploding into your uh, lungs <laughs> as you rose too fast from the deep. Mm-hmm. But this is a, a schizoid embolism, so I can only imagine it's some sort of uh, like catastrophic epileptic grand mall you know break in your your sense of reality or something mm-hmm. like that so well i think we got to the heart of this one so All right. why don't we see what eber has right. to say about it okay <laughs> um so I, I i'm a philip k dick fan a huge philip k dick fan and but i wasn't when i first watched this movie i i watched this movie when it was in the theaters and it came out in 1990 uh, but Philip K. Dick is all about what is real. I think that's his more or less, cause he was an undiagnosed schizophrenic. Uh, at least I think that's the common assumption about what he suffered from. Uh, he was also a drug addict of, of various sorts. And if you read enough of, of his writing, uh, we reviewed scanner darkly on this podcast a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, he the paranoia like your like schizophrenic paranoia in the future uh you're not necessarily crazy anymore uh due to advances in technology and i always think of philip k dick when i see people walking down the street with their bluetooth in their heads because they're talking to nobody like you're standing there on a street corner and there'll be some person standing there and the only thing indication that he's not a crazy homeless person is because he's dressed in a suit and seems well kept but he's talking to himself he's rambling having a conversation with his bluetooth you know i'll be honest with you it seems like those earpiece usage has gone down over the last thank few fucking years. christ man those things are so at least i don't see him on campus maybe on the uh maybe if you're like a salesman or working corporate you see more people doing that, but I don't. I don't see it much, especially in younger people at all. People just use their phones. I always would see well, people them. text. People don't talk any longer. That's the main thing. Everybody texts oh, no. to each other. No. Like I was uh, walking down the hallway in one of the the, the buildings on campus, and I almost ran into somebody because I was looking at my phone, screwing around, and he gave me the big stink eye on Friday. Oh, like, you son yeah. of a bitch! Looking at your phone, god, goddamn kids, fucking. It, yeah, that's uh, you. You uh, <laughs> fucking yeah. <laughs> I was looking for the right put down, but I got nothing. Because I, I mean, everybody, everybody's on their phone. It's just an excuse not to have to deal with anybody. I mean, look, I don't want to have to look at all these hot chicks eyeing me up and down every day. Well, I look at What's them in of? my phone camera, and then I take a picture of them when they're really hot. Off, off the mirrors like, on the on their feet. <laughs> Off my shoes. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, you're right. You don't see it as much anymore, but you do see it in sort of the portly 40-something traveling businessmen, which I encounter quite a lot. Yeah, sales, uh, where you got to talk to people. You're not going to make You're not going to close a deal with a text message. Yeah, and and they're always on their Bluetooth, I guess, because it's just, it's easier than holding the phone up to their head, whatever. Uh, but it breaks down that wall of what is crazy because I'm like that motherfucker, he could just be talking to himself and they turn their head and they got the Bluetooth in their ear and I'm like, okay, he's not crazy. 
although he's acting like a crazy person, but there's actually somebody talking to him in his head. Oh, before he, really before bizarre. I got used to people using those things, this is uh, several years ago when it was still new. I would every once in a while you'd be just right next to somebody and there's nobody else around and they say something and you think they're talking to you. I oh, know I hate that. Like it doesn't happen uh, any longer because I just assume that they're. I, I know, but, on their phone. But but I'll be standing there like, uh, um, waiting for a plane or something, and I'll be next to somebody, and they'll be like blah 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 blah, and I look around, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm just assuming that guy was talking to uh, on his phone, you know, or his Bluetooth or something. So well, the great thing is little... I got I got earbuds in my ear, so there's no way he's talking to me. He can see that I'm not in the mood to communicate. Yeah, right. Uh, and your sunglasses on, so you don't even have to make eye contact. Yeah, I just uh, pop my eyeballs out and put them in my pocket. <laughs> so that's what I always think of when I think of – that's like my little bit of a Philip K. Dick moment when, when uh, the schizophrenics are uh, somehow uh, overlapping the uh, traveling businessmen of our day, you know. So I don't know where I was going with that, but mm. – uh, Philip K. Dick, and this movie, I think, captures the spirit of the whole what is real. Um, we got it in Blade Runner. We reviewed Blade Runner, which is an adaptation of Philip K. Dick's uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which the whole what is real is, are these replicants real? Are they really human beings? Um, this movie is more, I guess, uh, existential in nature because it talks about implanted memories and uh, because you experience something or you think you've experienced something, does that necessarily make it real? And if you're speaking purely subjectively, I would say it is real, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like people who say drug experiences or hallucinations aren't real because they're all happening in your mind. But your mind's really the only engine that allows you to perceive reality. It's the only lens you have, and it's the only thing that matters in the end of the day. You're never going to eject out of your mind and somehow view view the world around you um, statistically. You're, you're, you're going to always view it through your eyeballs. If you're colorblind, you're always going to see the world uh, in a colorblind fashion, yellow or green or blue will never exist for you. So there's no point in describing anything that way or having anything like that described to you. So I think that's why I really, this movie really captured my imagination when it came out because it is a high budget, super action, super violent Hollywood movie, but it really, uh, has a sense of wonder about it, like a crazy sense of wonder about it, that as a 19-year-old when I watched this film, or an 18-year-old when I watched this film, I was totally taken by. Well, I mean, I can't agree with your statement that it doesn't matter if you're hallucinating or if you're experiencing input from real objects. In the end, in the end. In, in the, the end, end. I, can't, I don't think you can say it doesn't matter Okay, whether or not you're in a vegetative state uh, you know, make believing you're jet setting around the solar system, whether or you know actually you know getting in line in traffic every morning going to work. Uh, I think well, it's better to be. I mean, you can't argue that reality is not real unless you want to get real philosophical about stuff. No, I, 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 I'm not getting, I'm not getting metaphysical. I'm just saying, uh, 
perception wise. Uh, but but what, I think this what, whole thing about what is real, I think it flies over most people who went to see this movie back oh, definitely. In, in 1990. Uh, I don't think see, that's what's that's what's really so great about this film. This was a dour piece of slowly paced Russian science fiction cinema with lots of shots of flowing water and like clouds moving through the sky and uh, yeah. people silently sitting around a uh, a table with tension in the air. I don't think this movie would be very enjoyable, even though maybe it would talk about the same issues about what is reality and what are memories and, and all that. I mean, on the end, this movie is an exciting movie to watch because it's a great piece of uh, pre-CG-a-thon sci-fi action. And, well, I mean, it's certainly the ideas are, are really fun about what's real and what's not, and I certainly like that. Um, it also is a lot of fun to watch just because it's a, it's a great action movie. One of my favorite, and when I talk about A Sense of Wonder with Total Recall, is I'm a total, I guess, uh, pure sci-fi fan. I mean, I really like reading science fiction. I'm not so much of a fan of, I guess, all the uh, hybridized versions of sci-fi, whether it be comic books or hour-long TV sci-fi, which for whatever reason I just hate, can't stand it. Well, because uh, it's just they stretch things out so much because it's so well, expensive to make Well, yeah, and the production value is usually terrible. Uh, the only one that actually inspired me a little bit for uh, – the future of of TV was drama, Red Dwarf. Sci-fi. Well, that of course, Red Dwarf. The first couple of seasons, they really went off the were really off the deep end around season four. Well, Battlestar Galactica was decent. The new one, uh, yeah, some of it, some but of it, it was it was, it, know, was really, it was it was pretty fracking good there. The first couple of seasons, it was it had some heavy handed preaching and thinly veiled allegory of about current events that was kind of pathetic and didn't really get me going and you know kind did of, you notice kind of, did you notice they cut all the corners off their paper for some reason yeah well corners are expensive you can save a lot of money nothing goes in the corners right so you might as well that's where it. my staples go where the fuck I am i that, supposed to put my staples now i think that was like a throwback from the original series i remember uh, the old series where they would play with playing cards that were like octagonal or something with the corners cut off. So I don't know if that's some kind of uh, whatever. That's what I call a genius piece of production work. Easy to do and looks cool. That's right. And why is there paper when you're flying around in starships? Hell, I hardly use paper these days. I don't print anything out. Um, I don't know. I mean, the idea of a tablet really wasn't in the forefront back then. Not even in the early two thousands. It's kind of silly. Well, but they had they had outlawed computers. Remember? Oh, okay. they didn't have like a wait, big wait. computer network. <laughs> Whatever. All right, we're getting off topic. Uh, anyway, um, but when this when nineteen ninety, so there was some CGI going on in this film, very limited amounts, uh, which I think uh, was enough. But it was all kind of conventional model building, especially all the Mars landscapes and everything. Those were all models. And, and there's some nice screen. prosthetics. Yeah. And what Rod Bottom from The 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 Thing, he did The Thing uh, special effects. Oh, yeah. He was on special the special uh, effects he here. Got, he goes credited at the beginning of the film, right? Right. So there's some great sort of makeup work with the mutants. And I'm assuming sort of the... Uh, uh, what would you call it? Depressurization scenes. 
with the eyes bulging and all that crazy <laughs> stuff, which probably wouldn't happen, right? I think uh, we're all that opinion. Definitely wouldn't happen. What would happen to you on Mars if you just kind uh, of fell out of your spaceship? a lot of capillary bleeding, and you'd asphyxiate, and you'd start gasping, and then after a couple of minutes, you'd be dead. But your eyes wouldn't bulge out and your neck wouldn't your tongue wouldn't blow up like a balloon no no your neck wouldn't blow up like you got bit by a a hundred hundred uh, bees around the chin no okay no and and you wouldn't there'd be some foaming in your lungs and uh you would die you'd basically get like a severe version of the bends or something right or where air all the gases well that's not really your issue sure yes the main your main problem is that you would suffocate all the oxygen would leave your body and you yeah, would lose consciousness. No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just, I'm wondering. What your corpse would look like? Yeah. Well, what would your corpse be, look like? Probably be a, a bit of blood around your mucous membranes and some internal bleeding, right. but otherwise you'd freeze before too long. I'm guessing you couldn't desi- be. You'd pr- desiccate pretty fast. You'd be a nice looking mummy in a, a year or so. Yeah. That's a good. You'd that's be bleached right. bite a- by all the UV radiation. Be like those Inca burial sites they find up in the Andes at like 20,000 feet. You know, mummies have been there for, natural mummies have been there for a thousand years or so, and they're just I mean, the, ac- the atmosphere, it's, I mean, the main problem would be, it would be light degradation. Otherwise, the atmosphere is, it's not corrosive like the Earth's atmosphere, and it's yeah. very cold. Yeah, uh, it'd be you mostly It'd be mostly desiccation and then breakdown from radiation. Just be freeze It'd be like freeze dried. Yeah, corpse. and then you 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 get you'd get burnt pretty bad by the sun because of the lack of a magnetosphere and a thin atmosphere. Would the sun but would you would not bad. you when the pressure when you got repressurized you would not just go back to normal, right? Uh no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You die die pretty fast, and I don't know about even if you got back to normal. I wonder what all the hemorrhaging. Uh, my guess you probably have a lot of problems with fluid in your lungs. See, the great part about the scene where Molina and Quaid get thrown out of the volcano or whatever, the mm-hmm. pyramid mine, is like, oh, yeah, no. I was thinking, oh, of course not. That That's not how you would really die if you were exposed in, in the Martian atmosphere. But then I was thinking, maybe it's just a memory implant. Maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe the physics don't even matter here. So that's the, that'd, be, that'd be the interesting thing about these ego trips from the Recall Corporation is that th- – since they created the memories out of whole cloth, you could they could play all sorts of games with the physicality of the universe. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Totally doesn't matter. I mean, why go to Mars? Why right. not go to heaven? There you go. For 14 days. I think they're relying a little bit on stagecraft. You need a little bit of reality to... Uh, I, I, was, I kept thinking, um, you know... Is it a dream or is it a memory implant? And is there a difference? Like we have dreams. They call them memory implants. So, how would it be like? So, let's say the last uh, vacation you took, uh, that very exciting business trip vacation. But oh, no, dude. the actual last vacation you took. I don't know. You went somewhere, right? Uh, I went Hawaii. to Hawaii. And, yeah, last so year. think about the I don't know eight nine days you spent in Hawaii, and think about them now. Yeah. Well, would you pay money? To have another memory that you took another trip two months later somewhere else? But I pay for it. Yeah, because, I mean, a memory of a trip is fine, but it's the trip that's the fun part, not the memory of the trip. You know what I mean? Right. 
No, I'm with you. I mean, they uh, imply that it's a dream here, but they always talk about memories, and memories are very different than the experiential nature of a dream. A dream is sort of a synthesized reality that exists in real time. Well, it's it, not a it, memory. A dream <clears throat> is not a memory. They're not the they're not the same things. In fact, well, dreams make really crappy memories because you can hardly well, dr- remember the yeah, goddamn things. Well, well dreams are are uh, elastic. They they. I guess conform to immediate perception. Like I'll have a dream where all the person will just change who they are, like physically or by name, but they'll be the same person in theory. It's really weird. Those are my dreams where um, you know, this this person will be my best friend and then like it'll be my coworker. And I'm like, oh well, I'm not best friends with my coworker, but it's the same person acting out whatever part of that dream. They're I guess very distorted. My dreams are very distorted. They don't have any sort of concrete moments like memories do. Where I, like on my last trip to Hawaii, I distinctly remember almost killing my unborn child by driving too fast over a rough road and then having my wife sob next to me after we got done. That, doesn't Dist- make, that makes no sense. What that do you mean? A, that was a dream you're talking about? No, no, no. That was a memory of my last vacation. Well, how could you? I mean, did you almost lose control of the car? I guess I'm confused. No, no. I was just driving a little too fast on a rough road out to a beach somewhere. And yeah, uh, I don't think you could possibly lose a child by doing that. Oh, I, 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 I was of that opinion too. But my wife wasn't, and that's really all, all that, all matters. that matters. That's the only opinion that matters. We do yeah, slap so. her real hard, one quick open hand slap. You tell her, get your shit together. <laughs> that's right. Bitch, be cool. Pull it together. But I hadn't driven so slow leaving the beach as I did at that moment because uh, it was about the most excruciating drive out of there because I didn't go over five miles an hour. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Happy wife is a happy life. So, is it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought no wife is a happy life. Uh, speak for yourself. So, Well, I'm not happy, so what can I say? Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, dreams versus uh, memories. Yeah, they're not yeah. the same thing. So, I mean, they talk about memories here. So, I'm going to guess recall implants memory. See, it's not he's I mean, if we're taking we're both of the opinion that this all this is all a hallucination in Quaid's yeah. mind that right. the when they're talking about what he's experienced, he's experiencing this embolism thing they're talking about that causes hallucination. That's a side effect yeah. of the memory implantation. If you went to Mars as part of their memory implants, you wouldn't experience it as a hallucination. You'd experience it as, boy, I went to Mars last week and uh, had some interesting experiences. I had a nice room at the hotel. Had a nice right. balcony. You know, right. uh, I had sex with some chick with three breasts and, and went four to vaginas. Venusville. Yeah, exactly. And um, and that would be it. Well, one would have to ask how the memories are originally created at recall. Uh, let's say you had a way to record memory. Would you just have a fill-in, an actor, uh, perform the secret agent trip and upload a memory or whatever is required to record a memory and then somehow implant that. See, that's the part of the movie that I, the mechanics of. Well, there's no way we can. No way we can talk about that. I mean, science doesn't understand how memories are made. There's certainly some information people know about how the coding process works and what parts of the brain do which tasks of memory formation. But uh, 
the exact encoding is not known. It's really too complex at the moment. Well, what I was wondering is, would you have to physically create the memory as recall, or could you somehow synthesize it like you would a computer program or uh, a video game or something of that nature? You know, well, you... I'm not sure what you're getting at. I mean, there's two ways you could... I mean, there's basically two ways I could imagine you would approach the problem if you had the tools. One, you would cause the uh, uh, the input centers of the brain that process sound and visual to have the experience that you were on vacation. So you, they'd have to keep you in that chair for your 14-day trip and constantly feed you all the inputs to make the rest of your brain th- get all this information from the ex- the parts of the brain that encode right. external stimuli. And I guess that'd be one way to do it, but it seems like it'd hardly save you much money and it wouldn't save you any time. And it's certainly not the method that's implied here. The idea is you go in in the afternoon and they yeah. give you two weeks of vacation that exists as memories out of time. So the only thing I can think is that in this universe of the recall corporation is how memories are formed and stored in the brain are, are completely understood and how to go in and, and affect those storage systems directly is understood. And they just go and put what would be your memories in there. Maybe that's not too important for this film. I don't think it is. It'd be horribly complicated. Well, it's a fun idea. And I think that's the great part about why it's a a good science fiction movie is because the it's, it, it skips all that. It doesn't, doesn't get into the details and it, it moves along really quickly. And, uh, what was I going to talk about? I wanted to talk about the sense of wonder, total recall, and not so much the, I guess, implanted memory concept, but the sense of wonder. I guess I'm not well, really I, understanding. I mean, we talked about the idea about what is reality, and I think we both agreed on that, and how it was a nice influence of Dick. And we talked a little bit about the special effects, as much as we need to. We're we're real fans of that type of practical work, and we enjoyed it. And you gave a call out to the guy who headed that up. And so about well, the wonder, I guess I'm not sure how. Let me what you let me say. let me let me I guess explain my version of it. Mars in fiction is dealt very fantastically from like the Edgar Rice Burroughs version of Mars, where it's Barsoom and you have uh, giant green aliens and there's all these kind of epic uh, battles and floating ships and all kinds of craziness. Uh, then there's other versions of Mars that are maybe a little bit more, I guess, exploration-like, like Red Planet and whatever. There was another one that was like Mission to Mars Ghosts or something of Mars. like that. Yeah, they're very fantastical. They're With not. Cube. They're not how you or I would ever go to Mars if we were ever going to go to Mars or people like us would go to Mars. And... One of my fa- favorite scenes of this movie is is stupid, but it's that beginning scene in the hotel room where Quaid is just laying on the bed watching the nightly news. And then outside this hotel room with your wall-to-wall carpets and your shitty art on the walls, you have the red landscape of Mars. And I was just like, fuck, that is, that's the most amazing treatment of Mars in film that I've ever seen because it's so pedestrian. It's so regular. He's in a fucking Hilton on Mars. To me, that's more fantastical than any craziness of any other Martian fiction that I've read. Well, look, just this, that is the best day you could possibly hope for on Mars is sitting in a nice hotel room. 
I know a, a big thick sheet of glass. I, I would just sit there like you. I could picture myself on that business trip because that's how I would end up going to Mars. Look, and, I just I just go to Wyoming. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I've been oxygen to there for free. I know, I know. Yeah, but uh, it's they have no Venusville. I'm afraid so. You have to find other uh, uh, well, other forms one of store ice outside of uh, Laramie. <laughs> oh, is that the yeah the, the 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 every town has its own little adult shop, doesn't it? No they used to product, not any yeah, longer. The last one in Everett closed down. Blue Video is still open on. No, Laura. it's not. It's been closed for a while. The sign's really? still up, but it's not there. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been it's been, there. it's been several years. Oh, okay. It's a Sorry. I know. I keep driving by it, and it's like, oh, they have it going out of business sale. I could pick up the. I could pick up, you know. I'm pretty sure it's out of business. But, I mean, it's just not much point in going there. Not with the internet these days. No. It's no point. So, anyway, that was the. Anyway, that's what I was getting at with regard to sense. The of sense of wonder in that Mars would be a terrible place to live. No, 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 no. That I could go there, and I could rent a hotel room in a Hilton on Mars. There's no other movie that treats Mars that way. There's no other, I, I can't name one, that treats it as some kind of... Boring yeah. shithole? Well, that's, yeah, but Because that's but what Mars is, the boring shithole. I mean, the but only the, thing we could ever possibly get out of Mars that's exciting is some microbial life fossils somewhere, or maybe like some deep soil living organisms. That'd be... That's the best we could ever expect out of Mars, and that'd be amazing. But nobody's ever going to live there. There's no point in living there. It's a shitty well, planet. There's, there's no point unless there's tribidium to be mined, and then oh well, unless well. there's tribidium, or maybe they'll find some uh, what's that other stuff? Uh, Noceum. What was that called? Unobtainium. Oh, uh, unobtainium. Yeah. All right, maybe I'm making a little bit too much out of I it. Think, I think, God, we're just missing how much fun this movie is. Okay, let's talk about how much fun this movie is. Oh, you want me, well, to, you want me to, here, here, this is this is how okay. much fun this movie is. Fuck you, you asshole! <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great line. From, like, some old angry woman on the street of uh, <laughs> That's wherever. fucking hilarious, I love that. <laughs> well, this movie, it's so hard to sort of... Uh, tap into the zeitgeist of, of cinema in 1990. But when I first saw this, this movie is so fucking violent. I mean, it is really hardcore violent. I think it's more violent than any other film before it. I mean, uh, there's some shots in the head, you know? Well, uh, for whatever, what do you call them, squib packs? Yeah, a lot of when, squibs go off. There's a lot of, little, uh, for, a lot of forehead shots with submachine guns, which doesn't make much sense. I know, but but for whatever the the guns are just huge caliber and they're just blowing holes in people left and right, like huge holes, you know, not just like little bullet holes. But oh, well, that's what uh, guns do—they blow holes in people. Well, and the scene on the uh, escalator mm-hmm. where Quaid grabs oh that, that one dude person in the as a yeah, as a uh, it's just so that's it's great. Just, so well, that's the whole great part about that is that he has this innate ability that he doesn't understand. Like when he kills those four guys in the alleyway, his co-worker, right. and three other guys. I mean, he breaks two of their necks. Like you get that. Yeah, I know. Hollywood great sound. broken neck sound. Yeah, great sound. And uh, yeah. I like how Quay gets uh, rid of his wife. Consider that a divorce. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 uh, just blows her away. <laughs> well, but but you know, the great thing about that scene is not so much. Um, uh, 
the the one liner uh, consider that a divorce. It's what Molina comes back with after uh, he says that. That was your wife. What a bitch. <laughs> That's fun. I love that stuff. It is fun. Yeah. Well, there's it's it's part of the whole Arnold one liner. Mm-hmm. I think Verhoeven does one liners really well too. Uh, it's it's part of his uh, directing forte. Oh, here's another great Verhoeven one-liner for uh, Quaid. What you been feeding this thing? Blondes. Yeah, I, know. I love that line when she grabs his dick and goes, "What have you been feeding this thing?" And he says, "Blondes." <laughs> it's sort of out of character. Quaid's actually sort of a sort of a, a dopey construction guy. worker. Yeah, but all yeah, of a sudden yeah. when he gets to Mars, he's starting to feel in his oats a little bit. Right. Exactly. I like that he's feeding it blondes. God, that'd be great to feed your dick blondes. Uh, sorry, uh, did I say that out loud? I feel, but I feel like I missed my point with you in the sense of wonder. But that's all right. I, I, maybe I it's because I, I don't take, see the sense of wonder. I just I you know what it the is fun of the of the action. It's because I took a business trip this last week, mm-hmm. and again I was in the Holiday Inn, looking out the window, staring at a freeway. What beautiful city! Some uh, beautiful day in Ohio. Well, it did you was, have a sense uh, of wonder as you looked out over what is in Dayton? Dates. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do they make there? Sad, I don't sad, know. They, uh, yeah, obese, they, they, uh, they make women. They make, uh, I guess, urban strife and uh, really poverty. No, really. What's strife? What's the word? Is, maybe I'm using the wrong word. What's strife? Is that like uh, that's like conflict, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Uh, uh, it's kind of like a mini Detroit in a lot of ways. Oh, keep of, talking. You got my you got my interest. Yeah, it has a lot of defunct industry and mm. uh, empty blocks of houses and all Ooh. that kind of good stuff. You know? so, so low cost of living is what I'm hearing. Low cost of living, but you have to live there and do something, which may be the problem. That is so. always the issue. You know? Let's just say there's. I was I was sitting in my hotel room and I was thinking. Is there any person on the planet that would find this location exotic? You know, uh, I, I I could travel to the deserts of Arabia or the jungles of South America. And, and people would be living there. everywhere. Well, in that. But people would be living there. And would they think of where they're living like I think of Dayton, Ohio? That's what I was wondering. Do they have a sort of an exotic sense of wonder about a far-flung destination that – is North America. I can't see it. I couldn't picture anybody looking at what I was looking at and going, wow, this is really wild. Look, no, nobody, when they think about visiting the U.S., they don't think about visiting Dayton. They go, oh, we'll catch a Statue of Liberty. And Grand then we'll Canyon. Go, and then we'll go down to L.A. and go see the uh, Hollywood sign. Right, exactly. You know, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And that's pretty much it. Maybe we'll go catch well, the Golden Gate Bridge in, in San Francisco. And we'll go see, uh, we'll go to uh, Jellystone Park and see that boo boo and instead of the bear. <laughs> so I was, I was sitting there thinking that nobody on the planet would ever find anything crazy or exotic about what I was staring at, uh, no matter where, what background. But I was also watching Total Recall at the time, and that scene in the hotel room hit me right. And then I was like, "What if I was looking at Mars? You know, it would still blow. That be fucking crazy." It would, but it wouldn't because it would be so crazy different for me. And and it would be part of the familiarity of my hotel room and the exotic location of another planet. I think that would trip me out in a way. It would it would be kind of a little bit crazy. I'd, I don't see the fascination of visiting shitty planets. 
I understand going there and doing some like archaeology type work. I mean, some geology work, but going there for fun. I, I don't know what hell kind of fun going to Mars is. I don't know. It looked miserable, but it looked tangible. I think that's why I like this film. Like, I, I could get it. You know, it's like it's a mining town and, you know, it's familiar in a way. More familiar than any other Martian human version of a landscape that I ever recall. You know what I like about uh, this movie? I like Benny. <laughs> Damn, the man don't even know he's been in Mars tonight. <laughs> Baby, yeah. you make me wish I had three hands. Well, I think you're doing just fine with two. <laughs> oh, I like Mary and her three breasts. Yeah, which was uh, reproduced in the 2012 oh, uh, was it? Recall. Boy, they, they, they like those three breasts so much they use them three times in this movie. In three different scenes. I know. Yeah, and she, then she got shot in the back by, was it Richter, Victor? Oh, by Richter, Victor. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Richter. yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That's a bummer. You know, the thing I like about that that last line by Benny is he does have three hands. He has a regular hand, he has a mechanical hand, and he has a mutant hand. Does that count that. as three hands? I don't I see how you does. can't count it as three hands. Well, that mutant hand looked like, I don't know, looked like it. Uh, that could get right up there, tickle the old yeah. cervix. Yeah. Exactly. You could, you could you could you could pull out the IUD if you needed to. Well, then he asks uh, he asks Quaid if he's ever fucked a mutant. Yeah. So there I go. Yeah. Um, I guess I I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> sure. Why not? You mean when you're on Mars? All right. Uh, a lot of fun. Maybe it was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're missing something big about it. I don't know what we. I don't, I don't know what we're missing. Yet. We uh, we got we shot our wad with the reality thing right at the beginning. Yeah, uh, we enjoyed. The, I beat you over the head with my whole hotel room. The, you had some you sort of sense of wonder, and I've always taken your saying to heart that the best day on Mars is always going to be worse than the worst day on Earth. That's why I always wanted to call out Stephen Hawking as a fucking asshole. Or no, was it him or Arthur C. Clarke or one of those big brain sci-fi physicists or whatever? When they said, well, we have to. We have to move out into the solar system because we can't live here forever. And I was like, you want to make a fucking bet? Oh, uh, there's nothing in the solar system. The only place to move is some other planetary system. And that's, and then, that's Yeah, and so That's going to need some. I'm pretty sure we're going to have to use something other than natural gas to do it. So my line, which what which Mark just just quoted me, was uh, uh, the worst the worst day on planet Earth is the best day on Mars for human it's beings. Much better than the best day on Mars. Yeah. You might as well just build a dome here, right? I mean, how bad? I mean, even if the it's easier to live at the South Pole shit, than it is on Mars. By yeah, I mean, just by sheer cost alone, it's got to be like a thousandfold less expensive to live at the South Pole than it would to be on Mars, at least. Well, and. And all your resources are right out the door. They may be completely polluted and hardly usable, but that's that's a fixable problem. Right? Well, the, the main look. thing is you turn so much stuff into externalities. Water is not a problem, and oxygen is not a problem, and CO two is not a problem when you're at the South Pole. Exactly. Yeah. And those and, are like you know, food, super. Those are like the big problem. three. Yeah. Look, food's a problem, but that's like that's like the, your fourth problem in any situation. But move your little. Antarctic dome somewhere a little bit more temperate and build a greenhouse. You might get away with it. Yeah, maybe. You might. Yeah, so, yeah, right. Uh, true. Anything else before we hit the review? See you at the party, Richter! 
Well, there is a, a ton of trivia I was reading about about this film, uh, about uh, how Dan O'Bannon wanted the film to play out, but you know, it's Dan O'Bannon. He's a writer. He's not a director, so he doesn't get final say. I didn't read anything um, about Dan O'Bannon in this movie. What did you find out? Oh, he didn't. I guess he wanted a lot more dark humor and less violence. <coughs> And he more violence and less dark humor. I don't know. I thought, I thought the action movie thing worked out. Yeah, it was very actiony, which uh, I, th- I, I, just, I, I I don't th- see the problem. I don't see how it detracts from any of the interesting science fiction at all. I mean, there's no, a violent doesn't. story. Well, and that's the crazy thing about this film is all the crazy violence keeps, but the sci-fi story is still kept intact. It doesn't detract from it. I mean, this movie crazy. makes total sense. It's a, a popular uprising on a on a on a colony that's dependent on a home world and it has a very top down political structure. I mean, this is exactly what would happen if there was actually a viable colony on Mars that want independence. And after a hundred or two hundred years you'd get it. Right. Right. You'd overthrow your Cohagen unless and, it was uh, absolutely dependent on Earth. Uh, I think a place like that would be dependent on Earth. Not necessarily. I mean, it would be possible. I guess it depends on what the soil's like there. I mean, what you can get, what you can mine. I mean, well, as long I as you just... get your raw materials and as long as you get, I got enough things going, it'd be tough though, boy. It'd be tough to deal with strife there because everything would be so expensive. Every distro- every bomb building would be a, tr- a tragedy. Oh, yeah, Totally. Uh, well, I, I was surprised that you would even allow weapons onto Mars. You would even have the ability to have a gun available to you. Um, I would assume that Martian TSA would be a lot better than <laughs> than the the United States' version of t- TSA, which for our foreign listeners is, what's that stand for, TSA? The Transportation Security Agency or whatever like that? Administration. Creation. It's part yeah. of Homeland Security. It was part of that, those reforms in the uh, the the measured time after nine eleven. The last thing that you would want on Mars is a projectile weapon because uh, the dome will crack, you know, and you don't want to risk it, right? I mean, you'd have massive casualties and property damage if you totally emptied out a portion of your city because you just turned it into vacuum you know yeah it'd be, it'd be pretty expensive it's just the cost the costs are a problem yeah 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 all right so i think it's time to hit the review roger ebert reviewed this movie on the first of june of 1990 gave it three and a half stars pretty solid um, he starts off uh, talking about um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He says his performance is one of the reasons this movie works so well. Uh, he says he plays the confused and frightened innocent. innocent, And um, that opens the way for Total Recall to be more than simply an action, vi- of an action movie of violence and special effects. So, I, you know, it's interesting insight. I didn't really think about it, but I think that while there's some good performances in this movie um i think the guy who plays the the physician whatever his name is was a much better actor i do enjoy that sort of vulnerability that the um uh character of quaid has which is really was really neat um we didn't really talk about it much but 
you know, the sort of sort of a weird thing that in within the plot of the movie, the Quaid character is created to be uh, sort of a an innocent man to hide the true intentions of um, Cohagen well, and uh, Quaid. It's a way to it's a way to avoid the psychic mutants. Right. That's that's the whole goal of of Quaid. He can get he can get in real deep because they can tell that he doesn't have any ulterior motives because he's a pure, innocent person. Yeah. Yeah. That's the impetus, I believe, is 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 the the psychics that keep that protect the uh, rebellion on Mars. And so that was Hauser's uh, idea. Right. And uh, along with Cohagen. And yet that backfired on them. And it was actually the. The 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 innocent was the one that sort of somehow you know beat them in the end. That's a nice little poetic little part of the story that we didn't mention that I like. Oh, how uh, if you take it as reality, their creation came back to bite them in the ass, basically. Right. Yeah. 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 And um, so I have to agree with them there. Um, <clears throat> hold, hold 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 your thought there. The the sort of the I guess the. Uh, vulnerability of Quaid. I, I thought a little bit of Okeanu Reeves in The Matrix uh, when who's the doctor that shows up in the hotel room? What's his name? Oh, Doctor Edgemar. Right, shows up in the hotel room and offers him the red pill. Yeah, did you catch that? I thought that I, I, I don't didn't know remember if that the colors was... from uh, what color were in the uh, Matrix? The blue <sighs> and red. Yeah, or was it green? Which or was one it takes one of you green? out? I forget which one takes you out of the Matrix, but uh, I was I was watching that and I was like, I don't, I I'm sure it's a coincidence, but I wonder if it wasn't because Keanu Reeves probably could have played the Quaid character really well because he plays the sort of discombobulated, bewildered uh, character. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, whoa, what's going on? Where am I? Who am I? You know? And uh, Quaid, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger does a great job, too, because Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't really the greatest actor of all. Uh, but he does this well, because he just has to look kind of bewildered and, and, and uh, you know what I mean? Just no, I, exactly. I think we're agreeing with Ebert here. I just never yeah, realized yeah. that that really does make the film nice, that he's just naturally a bewildered but good person. So he does naturally what is good. Without sure. thinking through, you know, what risks he's really taking and what rewards he may be turning his back on. Right. I think I just think that's an, that's a neat part of the story, even though that's probably not the reality of it. Um, he calls this movie the most uh, complex and visually interesting science fiction film in a long time. Uh, so it was pretty impressive for 1990, I guess. Uh, he talks a little bit about Philip K. Dick and the story, and uh, he talks a little bit about how the movie plays around with we can't be sure what reality is. So I, I really wonder how much of that was hidden from the common viewer, uh, at least with just at least a modicum of thought. You could probably see that going on in the film. Um, so he says that the, the inside of the Mars station looks like a cross between Times Square and a submarine. I always thought it looked like a mall, which is what <laughs> I think all space stations would look like. And I hate uh, malls, even though I'll be in, I'll be at the Everett Mall on Tuesday well, after work, well, six p.m. at the GameStop. I'll see you guys there. All right, Mark's signing uh, copies so Dark Souls of Dark Souls Two, Dark Souls Two. So and Mangria, and Mark Gria. <laughs> That's right. He's gonna be there with Adam Carolla there at the uh, I don't know uh, Bevmo. 
at the end of the we'll uh, be at the Bemo at the and the B Dalton. Right. <laughs> B Dalton's. That's right. Walton Books. Still have is one Wal- up there. Is there Crazy. one? I don't know. No, i just it's been gone for like twenty years. Uh, funny, I was at the mall today. I went I went the to Everett Macy's mall? To, Yeah, I went to Macy's to look at some Fucking the Everett Mall, just for viewers, Everett Mall is probably one of the most depressing malls in the Puget Sound area. Really? It's uh, not any more depressing than any other mall, really. It seems more depressing because Everett's a work in town. Everett has like the Navy and it's where the, the Boeing factory is and it's a little grittier. Everett's just kind of a gritty. Like I was town. driving around Everett today and I only saw one juggalo. <laughs> only one guy waiting at the bus stop. My wife had a patient whose uh last last name quote unquote was Juggalo. And <laughs> the doctors were trying to figure out how to pronounce it because they thought it was some sort of like uh Hispanic name mm-hmm. and so they'd like we're calling him Ugalo, and <laughs> I, I forget what it, I forget what his first name, his first invented name was, but mm-hmm. it was something, uh, something. Did they explain to him insane. what juggalos were? There's a couple and of interesting and, and, documentaries on it. And uh, Rose was talking to one of the nurses, like, "Is this guy like a insane clown posse guy?" <laughs> and the the nurse who that she was talking to knew, but, but not the doctors. And she was like, Oh yeah, this guy's like totally a juggalo. And it's like, okay. Cause I was wondering about his last name. It's like, Oh no, it's, it's not a coincidence. <laughs> she just named a juggalo. But they're like, uh, patient Ugalo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you need a translator? Mr. Ugalo. <laughs> That's right. I like to yeah, see when I the family comes and visits him. That's gotta be a sight. Oh my god, I don't I don't get it. Yeah, so Everett uh has its share of juggalos. Um <laughs> my favorite part about Everett is yeah. all the guys on ten speeds in jean jackets with no with no helmet and you know that they have about three DUIs sitting on their 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 rap sheet. Well the next time and, they get caught driving with a suspended sentence they're gonna have to do three months in jail. Yeah, or they'll just execute him on the side of the road. <laughs> whatever yeah. whatever it took to get him to that point you know but uh <laughs> i think that i think that you know every time you get a drunk you get pulled over for drunk driving they should give you an extra two one hundredths points to add on to your next drunk driving because the more you do it the better you must get at it so like you first get busted at 0.08 and then the second time you have to be at least to a point one, and then a point one two, oh, yeah. and then a point one four. It's and eventually, you know, eventually it's going to solve itself because you're going to have to be legally dead to drive. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think I'll take it to the city council. I think I might have some, might be some ears that are open to my idea. I think it could probably save Everett a dime or two. I think that town could probably use the money. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, things aren't yeah. that bad up here, man. It's not like we're down south of Seattle. Um, uh, and Tacoma Mall. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh, the review. Keep yes. going. Uh, he does talk about the idea of well, why are there so many firearms here. That's what I was wondering. And really. uh, he talks about, but it doesn't stop the movie from, this, uh, from having one of the classic movie tropes. Uh, bad guys never hit their targets and good guys never miss. It's a little ridiculous in this film. The, Although, the guy's got an Uzi that I think minimum does a three-round burst, and he puts one round through a couple of different people's heads. Yeah, I know. Well, one thing I thought was kind of cool was uh, he's given the hologram gadget by uh, the laptop guy. I don't know what else he's called. This guy shows he, up. He doesn't have a name, but uh, basically um, 
Hauser Briefcase made it guy. so he would get it. Right. Uh, but if you notice, when he first tests it out, it's not a mirror of you. It somehow adapts to the uh, space that you're in, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sort of it, – it does sort of – it's like a partial mirror. But if you watch it closely, he comes up to himself, and he's not – exactly a mirror of himself he's there's some oh, i didn't think he was a mirror at all he's just a uh copy of himself rotated 180 degrees no 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 he's not if no, you watch not? that his his hand motions are different than the hand motions of his opposite it's kind of cool it's like maybe a little bit more well, well, uh, because it would be really hard well it'd be really hard to use something like that if it was an exact 180 of you you know right? this makes you me think about a... the the plot a little bit is that on its face if we take the the plot on its face at face value that i can't figure out what side hauser is on because why does hauser give him this thing and he does apparently doesn't tell uh Cohagen about it well was hauser under deep cover well you know hauser and... could have been like a triple he could have been uh what do you call like a spy who was well, double turned. agent he could have been like a triple agent oh he could have okay. uh you know Still been working. Yeah, he for could have Cohen been working Hagen. for Cohagen, then turned a double agent for the other people, and then pretended to turn back to Cohagen, like I'm just pretending to be them, and then actually turn back to the. You know, you don't yeah. know. You don't. You never really know what uh, parts of uh, Hauser are an act and what are real. Right. Uh, anyways, right. that's that's aside the point. Um, he says this movie is a marriage between uh, swashbuckling space opera and the. Uh, ideas of philip k dick i think i think that's sort of true it's action yeah, married yeah. with some really nice dick stuff yeah and it works with this stuff it, a lot of times the philip k dick super action stuff doesn't work that well uh, like paycheck oh god that was terrible and uh he yeah. goes on to uh, applaud schwarzenegger right at the end saying that uh schwarzenegger allowed himself to seem confused and vulnerable or may have just naturally been that way that's my ad there and he provides a sympathetic center for the high high tech spectacle, I mean it's an yeah. all right review. Yeah, it's, I mean it kind of it's a fun movie. That's all I it is. Say. It's I, a super I fun movie, and I remember watching it in the theater coincidentally at the mem- at the Ever Mall. That's where I first saw this oh. film, and I saw it with uh, Michael Lewis. He may listen to this podcast, so shout out to Mike. But oh, does we he? Saw this, uh, yeah, maybe I don't know. Hmm. I, I can't tell. He likes he likes some of. Uh, uh, of the podcast on Facebook, so mm. maybe he listens in. But yeah, we saw it there. I think it was like a Memorial Day movie, so it was like a, kicked off the summer mm-hmm. uh, around then. And uh, I just remember, man, it was like a fucking roller coaster. It was so much fun. It was one of those movies where people are being loud in the theater, and you don't care because everybody's having so much fun, and the movie's so fucking loud anyway. You know, it doesn't really doesn't really much matter. Yeah. So uh, one thing, you know, I'm wondering about is. Paul Verhoeven, they remade this movie, and I don't know why it failed other than I lost interest watching the film about 30 minutes into it, so uh, it just died. The Total Recall 2012 just died. Well, Verhoeven but wasn't they, attached to that, was he? No, 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 no. Um, RoboCop got remade. Yeah. I think I think it actually got okay reviews I, I don't know uh i'm looking it up now but i heard it was okay it still doesn't make me want to go oh it got 49 percent. is that okay well okay the original got 88 mm-hmm. percent. so 
that's kind of a big hit as far as uh i have no i have no interest in going and seeing the remake i know well you know are they going to redo starship troopers and what is it about redoing a verhoven movie that's not going to work and i think it has to do with the camp i think over the top camp of verhoven it's it has a silly element total recall has a silly element just so over the top that I don't think you could really pull off if you didn't create that atmosphere to begin with in the film. You know what I mean? And I don't know what it is about him that makes things funny or awkward at certain times. But this Total Recall had some pretty funny moments. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the midget with the fucking submachine gun getting and up on the bar that is and blowing shit away. like three-tenths of a second. I know, but it's, but it's so it's like hilariously silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you couldn't any serious movie would not have that scene in it. You know, Total Recall twenty twelve would not put a midget on the bar shooting. Up no, she's just guys. one of the hookers there. She was Thumbelina, was her name? I know, but that's just a, it's so silly and so great. <laughs> so uh, it's just pure Verhoeven. Mm-hmm. I just I, yeah, I yeah, it's sort of misogynistic. I don't know. So maybe that's what you know. The thing I've just been turned off to re- remakes in general. Whenever back in '82 when they re- remade the thing with that horrible John Carpenter adaptation, oh, that was terrible. It just ruined yeah. the whole idea of <laughs> remakes. Like remakes well, can be you know, good and they can suck. I don't know what well, to say. Well, that's the thing is is we've reviewed the thing was a remake. We reviewed Sorcerer on this podcast, oh, yeah. which was a remake. So the remakes are been are, are not a new thing. Maybe it's just there's so many more of them now or they're being remade when I fell in love with the original movie and so I'm automatically biased. But when they get such shitty reviews time and time again, uh, something's not going right. They're not they're not doing something right with, with the remakes of, of these old classic movies. And it's hard to think of Total Recall as a classic, but I guess it's been 24 years now. So, you know. Anyway, you're a classic, Matthew. I know. I, I, I go on about this. I've gone on about this before. So, uh, so okay. Uh, what's up next up there, now. Matt? Uh, we're going to do a movie I haven't seen, but it's my pick. Mm. Uh, Altered States. And I don't even know who's in it, but uh, I get sick of Joe Rogan going on about his hallucinogenic experiences and his uh, deprivation tank and all that kind of stuff. And he said that altered states was uh, a partial impotence imp- impotence impetus for his uh experimentation with hallucinogenics so i haven't it's seen a weird it, movie but- man I, now i didn't watch the whole thing but i i uh i grabbed it some time ago because it's uh sort of on my back catalog to choose from at some point and it looks pretty weird well i'm just worried it's not going to be good i think that's my big Big, I mean, fear. good. Good is such a simple way to describe a film. Enjoyable, watchable. Uh, I don't think a movie needs to be enjoyable to be watchable. It certainly doesn't need to be enjoyable to be good. Okay, it should be interesting. That's what I'm more interested in. Interesting, right? Exactly. So I guess it seems to me maybe like a little bit more like a futuristic um, Timothy Leary sort of tale of uh, it's like a harvard professor or something tim think, leary was a harvard i think it's a little professor. metaphysical oh is it one of those i think it does it's 
deep dives. All right. Yeah, I think like you're getting in deep into reality sort of business. Uh, I met Tim Leary. Uh, I've never taken any psychotropic drugs. Sure, you have, especially not LSD uh, or mushrooms. Those are like the two biggies, right? Well, uh, marijuana has some hallucinogenic properties. True. There was yeah, one time I'm, when I got really high. I thought I saw. I was with one of my brothers, and I thought I saw his head open up, and like 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 you can see these sections of inside his head. But it was just like a huge. It was like a some sort of uh, like oil and water mixed with dyes and stuff. It was really freaking me out. Wow, did he throw his head at you and say, "Are you ready for a surprise?" That would be really funny. Uh, so uh, I may be missing. Maybe I'll be missing the boat on this film. I'm not sure. No, no, no. Let's take it. Let's take a risk, man. That's what oh, I but like. I did I'm meet. Excited. But I did meet Tim Leary at Lollapalooza three. Mm. If you can believe that or not, he was walking back from the tent, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, "Oh shit, that's Tim Leary!" And so I, I just went up to him and I said, "Hey, man, big fan." Even though I wasn't, haven't read anything of his, haven't mm-hmm. taken drugs, <laughs> and shook his hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was preoccupied. He, he, I think he said he forgot something back in the tent. And I, I was like, well, I think you've forgotten something probably back in the 60s, but whatever. You told him that? And, uh, you son no, of no, a no. bitch. That's, no, that's what I, no, no, no. Although he probably, maybe he would have remembered that if I would have told him that. But, uh, <laughs> he's dead now. Ashes somewhere in orbit. Some of his ashes. Or, some of his ashes made it to orbit. So anyway, next week, Altered States. And uh, until then. Memory of a lifetime We call, we call, we call